Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Re'eh. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anche Emmett Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about we are what we eat as a society, Jewish views on meat and morality. So, are you a big meat eater? Uh, no, not much at all anymore. Um, yeah, I used to be. I lived in Texas, and uh, that's the barbecue capital of the world. At least the Texans would say so. And back then, I was not kosher. I was eating uh, lots and lots of delicious beef brisket and ribs, all kinds of good stuff. And then when I met Jen, I became kosher, and my, my meat consumption has fallen dramatically. You know, we'll have a occasional kosher meat. Well, you know, we can get it from, from the butcher, but that as a result of that, I, I eat a lot less meat than I used to. Is that a moral choice or is it a health choice? Or what goes into that decision making aside from that's what gets decided, but what goes into the decision? Well, in the beginning, it was a, a, it was an act of love. I wanted to be in solidarity with my wife, actually my girlfriend at the time. And she was keeping a kosher home and I moved in. So I became kosher. But it became more than that over time. It became a, a moral choice. It became a something that reminded me of, of my religion on a not just a daily basis, but an hourly basis. You know, every time I felt uh, a temptation to eat something, I had to think about what I was eating and whether it adhered to the rules of kashrut. And that really became something I I enjoyed. I, I liked the discipline of it. I liked the fact that it, I was thinking about my religion at times, and I, it ended up permeating my consciousness consciousness a lot more than uh, than I had ever imagined it would as a result of tying my faith to my diet. So who th- who would ever would have ever thought that a Big Mac attack could be a moment of theological clarity? <laughs> right. Hey, and now they have impossible whoppers. So uh, that, that's right. We have to talk right. about that. Well, we're going to come to that because here in the portion of Re, which is a, really a portion about choices, it says, you know, see, I put these laws before you. Re means to see. And within the compendium of laws that this portion contains, you have the following. It's a very interesting and relevant conversation because it starts by saying, when the Lord enlarges your territory as he has promised you, and you say, I shall eat some meat. For you have the urge to eat meat. You may eat meat whenever you want. Notice how the Torah talks about it. When you enlarge your territory, what do you think that means? I think it means when you when you travel or when you um, when you move to a to another land uh, or when your when your community grows uh, and there may not be uh, kosher delis in the in the new community, then you can still have meat. That's right. my and I think I think that's a great interpretation. And I too, I would add to it. The idea that maybe this is about developing, let's call it a middle class. You enlarge your territory. In other words, you're in a stronger position. The country's becoming wealthier. And you say, I want to eat meat because now we can graze the meat and have it. You can have it, the Torah says. I think of China, right, and the consumption of meat. But whereas in our world today, when we talk about raising meat, we focus in part on the ecological issues of methane and things of that nature. The Torah has a different issue in mind. Not to say that the ecological issues are not relevant to Judaism, but the Torah is going to become very specific because it says that you can eat meat, but make sure the Torah goes on to say that you do not partake of the blood. For the blood is the life, and you not, must not consume the life with the flesh. You must not partake of it. You must pour it on the ground like water. You must not partake of it. 
as I was reading it, I was having memories of my mother making liver. And the only way that we could have liver from a kosher point of view is to broil it. Because in broiling it, you're going to kind of get all of the blood out of it. And I remember how tough it was and it was yeah, not a very pleasant. The, right. You're taking all the, all the flavor and all the, uh, the moisture out of it. You're just <laughs> right. almost right. inedible. Jews, when, Jews have to suffer. So liver is one of those, one of those right. areas. But, but the Torah ties this to a different idea that blood and life are mixed together. In other words, in the kind of empirical universe of ancient man, if they saw someone bleeding, they often saw someone dying. And so blood and life were mixed together and life only comes from God. And so here the Torah is focusing on this kind of theological idea that you spoke about a moment ago, that only God can give life. And so if only God can give life, and the blood is the symbol of that, every time we eat and every time we prepare meat for consumption, we're reminding ourselves that life is sacred and only God can give life. Yeah, doesn't it connect to what a vegetarian would say, that we shouldn't take an animal's life just to feed ourselves? And isn't that, we get into this whole debate over whether the impossible that has recently hit the market is and should be called meat. And the people who make animal-based meat are complaining that it shouldn't be in the same category, that it shouldn't be in the same section of the grocery. They're offended by the idea that this might be seen as a replacement for meat. Of course, vegetarians are saying, yes, this should be a replacement for meat because it's more humane. If life is a gift that only God can give, why should we take another life to feed ourselves if we don't have to? So it seems to me that vegetarians might be in sync with the Torah on this. And just to build on that, remember that in the original creation story, all animals, not just human beings, but all animals were herbivores. They did not eat meat. The first time the Torah speaks about eating meat is after the flood and after Noah. And it appears to be God's concession to the violent nature of human beings to allow them to eat meat. But if you're going to eat meat, you can't have the blood. And so it's interesting that most pristine state of humanity in the Garden of Eden was revolved around that. And just to add one more thought, Isaiah is going to pick up on that idea. And so when Isaiah talks about this kind of vision of peace coming to the world, and he talks about the lion lying down with the lamb and all of you know, and that entire vision, what he's really talking about is going back to Eden. Why would a lion lie down with a lamb when the lion's not going to eat the lamb? And why would the lion not eat the lamb? Because the lion eats is a herbivore, is eating plant-based, as has a plant-based diet. And so peace and blood are antithetical to each other. And that's a very powerful idea. So it all comes together. It does. So my question to you is, you know, putting aside the heavenly delights of a pastrami on rye sandwich, is it possible to make the argument that the Torah really ideally would call upon us to be vegetarian? I think, yes. The first chief rabbi of Israel, his name was Rav Cook. He was a vegetarian, and he was a vegetarian for all of those reasons. And so there is a very strong 
tradition of vegetarianism in the traditional universe. So yes, absolutely. But the Torah is also saying you, you're allowed to eat meat. So it's not as though it's not permitted. But should you make the choice that based upon our world today, for all the reasons we've been laying out, the ecological issues, and also the issue of violence, and we should come to that in a moment, but should we just eschew meat? Should we just give it up? Yeah, it seems like the Torah is saying that ideally you would give it up, but if you have to, because it's practical, because it's needed for survival, or because it's you really like it a lot, here's how you should do it. For the Torah to be that um, practical and compromise what might be seen as an important standard. In other words, to create rules around the consumption of meat. Yeah, ideally you should be vegetarian. That seems where this is going. But we understand that it's okay. You, sh- you can have meat. Just follow these rules. I think that, but I think that falls into the category of the Torah speaking not only in the language that people can understand, but also focusing on that moment in time and not giving laws that won't be maintained. To command an entire people to be vegetarian, I think, would not have gone over well. Would it have been practical, I wonder? I mean, was it possible to survive at that time in some of the conditions that in which they were living without, without meat? I, I think that's, I think that's an excellent question. Could they have done that? I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, you can hear the Jews screaming at Sinai, what do you mean? No cholin, no brisket? Are you joking? But beyond that, beyond that, a hundred percent, they, I don't know. Today, we do have that possibility. Today, you can go and buy all kinds of, soy products and, you know, a myriad of other things to eat and proteins that you can maintain yourself. But there's another aspect here that I really feel we need to touch on because that's this is where the blood piece comes in. That has to do with violence. What happens in a society that turns a blind eye to violence against animals? In other words, it's okay to slaughter an animal any way you choose. He wrote about Muhammad Ali, and remember Joe Frazier had those massive arms. One of the ways he he built himself up was he worked in a slaughterhouse. And in those years, he used a sledgehammer. I mean, as, as revolting as that idea is, that's how he built himself up. And so what happens in a society that pay attention to the spilling of blood, right? When we watch films that have, you know, these tremendous body counts of people dying, and we're looking at it as entertainment, how does that affect our thinking? Does everything become like a video game where where it doesn't really touch our soul? Because what I think the Torah is trying to do here by forbidding the, the consumption of blood is to try and sensitize us to that idea. Yeah, and I would argue that we we managed to somehow compartmentalize our souls we somehow learn to shut down the feelings of compassion that we might have for animals that are being slaughtered. We say to ourselves that those are just food machines. Those are not real living beings. Just as we somehow horrifyingly learn to shut down our feelings when we see people being slaughtered in, in war films or in live footage from wars, we somehow manage to shut down our feelings about that. And we've done that very successfully for a very long time when it comes to the creation of the food that we eat. You know, try explaining the, for the first time to a child, fun little chickens they, they see on the farm are the same thing they're eating. You'll see this look on the kid's face like, wait a second, this was an animal? I, you know, that's actually a, a, a wing of a chicken that I'm eating? You don't just call it the wing, it's actually a wing? That's startling. Um, so we have desensitized ourselves and 
that's just something that we've chosen as something we have to do to survive, I guess. Maybe we don't. There is a higher consciousness, and there is this rabbinic idea, as you were talking about, I was thinking it's called kol v'chomer. Kol v'chomer is a formula that you use that if this is true, how much more a priori, how much more should that be true? If you don't like the cold in Chicago, how much more would you be miserable if you lived in the Antarctic? You know, you're building a, a logic here. As you were talking, there was this idea that if you're going to pay attention to the plight of a cow, how much more would, should you be paying attention to the plight of a human being? And this consciousness raising that the Torah is really engaged in is really about that. If you have to be concerned about the spilling of blood of an animal and not eating it, even if you like it, even if it satisfies you in some way, as my mother's you know, shoe leather liver is a reminder of, you don't do it because it has implications for how you look at blood and how that can affect how you impact others. That's an interesting issue. I, I just take this one step further. In a society where we have video games and this and that, that sort of celebrate violence and use violence as entertainment, it's not all that surprising that football is what it is, right, which is kind of a nominal form of warfare. And believe me, I love watching football as much as anybody else, but it is nominal warfare. Or now we've moved from boxing to these cage matches, which are just remarkably violent, right? So we get to really see serious violence in the ring. And that's become a multi, multi-million dollar industry. I imagine it's a multi-billion dollar industry now that I think about it. What is that saying about us and how this spills over, excuse the expression, into gun violence, right? Our entire society seems to be in this fulcrum of violence. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, you're, you're just depressing me here because, you know, I used to argue that we should televise executions and that that would be a way to finally shock people and teach them that, that we are doing, uh, you know, something hideous by killing people sentenced to death and that the death penalty would be abolished. But I'm afraid that uh, it would only become more popular if we did that, given the setting that you just described. We all seem entranced by violence. We've all seen these commercials on television about dogs and taking care of, you know, animals and dogs that are left outside and things like that. I know lots of people who just immediately change the channel. As soon as they hear the music of that commercial, they change the channel. The other alternative is to simply pretend it doesn't exist, that there's this cognitive dissonance that, you know, I, I just don't want to deal with it. I don't want to look at it. Do I really need to see what the inside of a slaughterhouse looks like? I just want to have my stake. So the Torah is telling us something, I think, very powerful, that we need to pay attention Consciousness matters, and what we see affects our choices, and those choices have boundaries. You know, the fact that you want meat and you can have it doesn't mean that you can eat it any way you want it. You have to be conscious of its implications. I mean, that's a powerful message for us. Yeah, it's very powerful, and it has a huge number of extensions, and uh, I think it's something we, sh we can think about in lots of different aspects of our lives, not just when we eat. I guess we won't be going out for a hamburger this week, will we? I'll, I'll buy you an Impossible Whopper. Sounds good. Nice to talk to you, Jonathan. 